a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. President Biden is shifting his message on inflation. Uh, this time, the White House isn't just uh, blaming Vladimir Putin for the price hikes or the pandemic for high prices. Uh, now he has thrown uh, Republicans into the mix, uh, which is a, a common move in a political situation. The question, though, is the new communication strategy going to help President Biden connect with voters before the midterms? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. So as we listened to the president yesterday, uh, a speech that was... I have to be honest, not one of my favorite from the president. And the president's actually delivered some very powerful, very good speeches over the course of his first 16 months. I still believe that the president's speech in Poland on freedom uh, was may have been one of his best ever. And it was great for the country. It was in the right time. It was the right setting. It was the right tone. And, of course, the media got distracted and lost on a single ad lib line from the president uh, about Vladimir Putin staying in power. And that was unfortunate. It was an unforced error by the president, but the speech is really good. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, you should go listen to it. Uh, I, I think it's historic in nature in terms of what it was laying out. And, and sadly, in the age we live in, often that's what we get focused on. Well, the speech from yesterday was not that. Uh, the speech from yesterday sounded angry sounded desperate, sounded not sure or confident. And and that's a problem because of all the things that the president can do, the thing that he's best able to do is use the bully pulpit of the presidency to instill confidence in the American people. And so I want to go through the speech just a little bit to to look at what he said, how he said it, and then look at what the reality is and what has to move forward. Because I remain convinced that I don't I don't know anybody who wants the economy to get worse. Uh, I don't know anybody who's saying, well, I, I really hope that the uh, Biden administration messes this up uh, so that gas prices will go even higher. Whether that's for your family, for your constituents, for your business, nobody's asking for that. And so... So let's get out of just the pure politics and the partisanship of it all. Let's look at the messaging and let's look at what the messaging could be or should be or how we do navigate this together as a country. So the president started his speech. Again, this was in front of the AFL-CIO 
in Pennsylvania. And the president claimed that his administration has created the greatest job recovery of all time. Well, we brought down COVID deaths by 90 percent. We opened schools and businesses that were shuttered. All, it all created the greatest job recovery in American history. People don't want to talk about these days, but it's true. Since I've become president, we've created 8.7 million new jobs in 16 months, an all-time record. The president went on to say that because of his actions, Americans have less debt and more savings. Since I took office to your help, families are carrying less debt nationwide. They have more savings nationwide. More Americans applied for new small businesses last year than ever before. So, again, the president, all presidents are going to start off with touting what they think is going well. Uh, those uh, are true. Uh, and both are a little flimsy in terms of what the American people are actually feeling. Uh, a lot of people are dipping into savings. A lot of people are seeing their 401k values continue to slide. A lot of people are having to spend more. We know here in the state of Utah, an additional $800 plus a month. Uh, that we're having to spend just to stay where we are. Now, the president expressed some frustration uh, and a little bit of anger, I think, uh, in being called a big spender. So when they come to you and talk about big spenders, let them know. Almost $2 trillion in deficit reduction. I don't want to hear any more of these lies about reckless spending. We're changing people's lives. Okay, Uh, so if you have to declare it, you're not it, uh, uh, is always the rule at my house. And we talked about this yesterday. The the number that the president uses in saying that the deficit will be lower this year by two trillion is actually true and incredibly misleading. Uh, We talked about this in terms of how you actually have to look at deficit reduction. Everything is done over a 10 year window Uh, and out of the 10 year window, this particular year, does reduce because of a lot of the spending uh, that was done during the pandemic is coming off the books. All those payments that were going out, the PPP, all of those kinds of things, uh, those are coming off the books. So yes, it will go down in this year, but then all the other spending will add over $3 trillion uh, of deficit and debt uh, in the coming years. And so it's a little disingenuous to say, hey, we've reduced it by $2 trillion. It's just for the single year uh, that, again, based on the spending that he has approved and and that has been passed, will actually add to uh, the deficit. Uh, And that's an interesting thing that we have to get to as well. Uh, Looking at that, as we look at the price hike, uh, excuse me, the interest hike today, uh, an interesting message. We were just doing some back of the napkin uh, numbers today in the newsroom and if you move up the uh, percentage, of the interest payment on our $30 trillion of debt. So that's going to continue to go up uh, over the next few months. And if you're looking at that $30 trillion and suddenly we're not paying 0% interest on it, we're paying, let's say it's 6% interest on it. Uh, that means that just the interest payment, no reduction, just the interest payment would be more than we take in in taxes in an entire year. So any of you who have ever been caught in the credit card trap and all you're doing is making your interest payment every month, you know that doesn't end well. So if the interest rates continue to go up 
we brought in the United States government brought in a record amount of tax revenue last year, the most in the history of the country. Over four trillion dollars in tax revenue came in in the middle of a pandemic, by the way. And all of that will just go to the interest payment. That doesn't count. That doesn't count funding any of the programs. That doesn't count uh, all the different things that government needs to do. That's just our interest payment. We can't afford the interest payment. And so I think that's a a challenging thing uh, for the president to talk about uh, in terms of a little deficit reduction that just dips over a very long curve. So you have to look at the numbers in the long view uh, when it comes to that. Uh, The president continued to talk about inflation and prices uh, in the context of one Vladimir Putin. I'm doing everything in my power to blunt Putin's gas price hike. Just since he invaded Ukraine, it's gone up $1.74 a gallon because of nothing else but that. So once again, true statement. It has gone up that much since Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine, uh, but he didn't count everything that had gone up before that or since that. And those are things that are that could have been handled in a very different way. So the president's trying some different messaging in terms of where this all goes. He went to some very tried and true lines rolling into a midterm election year, uh, talking about the tax system. Uh, wants the wealthy to pay their fair share. Can remember there was more tax collected in 2021 than in the history of the country. Uh, so it is not a, a taxing revenue problem for the government. It is a spending problem that the government seems to have. And so all of this, I think, leads to uh, an interesting place for the administration. Uh, I think he's he's straining. There was a, an article in Politico today that talked about the president straining for a message in the midst of a deteriorating economy. Uh, prices keep rising, clock keeps ticking, uh, and that disconnect between the president and the American people is getting larger, not smaller. And I'm one of those who happens to believe you got to speak truth to the American people. Uh, we have big decisions ahead of us as a country, not easy decision, uh, but give it to the people straight. And then we can have a different kind of conversation. That's what leadership looks like. And currently, there aren't really a whole lot of folks on either the left or the right who are interested in actually leading. We've turned our institutions into performative places uh, for clicks and likes and fundraising. Uh, We need to have honest conversations, meaningful conversations, not distorted conversations, not tweak the numbers kind of conversations. Uh, We got to get to it just a little bit different. Uh, I was disappointed. I was genuinely disappointed in the president's speech yesterday. And not just on the policies, it was the tone. It was the way he was speaking to the American people uh, that I think was the biggest miss and what we have to think about and what the administration ought to think again about if they want to get on on track and build trust with the American people. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. 
Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.